Welcome back to Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm Jesse Bartholomew, and I received a listener suggestion from Sharon on Instagram to do an episode about why Kentucky public officials have to swear under oath that they've never participated in a duel. I think I, I've heard about this before, but I never really paid any attention. But I started looking up famous Kentucky duels, and then I got deeper into just the history of dueling in general, and it's, it's really a fascinating topic. But anyway, you do have to swear under oath if you want to take public office in Kentucky that you've never participated in one. And I was talking to my mom about this, and it's divided, right? So lots of people think that it's antiquated and makes us look backwards, and that's what my mom thought. And after researching it more, I kind of think the opposite. I think it's charming. I think it's a nod to our history, uh, and I think we should keep it, but I don't know. So... For this episode, I'm going to talk about the history of dueling in Kentucky. I'll go even into just a little bit of dueling history in general. I'd love for you all to tell me your thoughts on this after this episode. Should it stay in the oath or should we scrap it? Let me know. According to the Kentucky Secretary of State, 41 duels were fought in Kentucky between 1790 and 1867, although that number could be higher, um, probably not all of them were recorded. But before we get into how the oath became mandatory for public officials, let's talk about the history of duels for a minute. According to a PBS article called The History of Dueling in America, one of the earliest versions of dueling, dating back to Europe in the Middle Ages, was known as judicial combat. And the idea behind this was that the duel would always be fought over some sort of disagreement between two parties, and God would decide who was in the right, and that man would win. The Catholic Church tried to ban duels for a long time, but with little success. In England from about 1760 to 1820, there were 172 known duels, although again that number is probably higher. But of those known duels, 69 of those participants died. Dueling was an even bigger deal in France, where they would typically use swords. Unless people died, actually, because they used swords, and it would pretty much be over as soon as someone was bleeding, and those injuries would more often than not be non-life-threatening. There were also a few instances of medical duels, where both parties would take pills. One would be a bread pill and the other poison. And I guess sort of like with the judicial combat, the idea was that divine intervention would make sure that the person in the wrong got the poison pill. It's my understanding that that trend didn't last very long. But a group of Irishmen put together a list of 26 codes in 1777, known as the Code Duello, which outlined the various rules pertaining to their duels. It was things like the number of wounds required for satisfaction of honor, or what time of day you could even engage in a duel. There are some pictures of the list on the internet, but all the ones I could find are too blurry to actually read. But Americans used European rules like these until 1838 when the governor of South Carolina, John Lyde Wilson, drafted his own code. So just to give you a little bit of an idea of how a duel might normally go, 
Here's an excerpt from that PBS article I mentioned. Quote, In a typical duel, each party acted through a second. The second's duty, above all, was to try to reconcile the parties without violence. An offended party sent a challenge through his second. If the recipient apologized, the matter usually ended. If he elected to fight, the recipient chose the weapons and the time and place of the encounter. Up until combat began, apologies could be given and the duel stopped. After combat began, it could be stopped at any point after honor had been satisfied. It's vague, isn't it? Like, when is honor satisfied? And it sounds crazy, doesn't it? Um, but, you know, at the time, it was an attempt at a civilized way to solve problems, I guess. The first recorded duel on American soil was said to be one between Edward Lester and Edward Doty in 1621. And the weapon of choice for this duel was swords, and they both walked away with just minor injuries. And although these duels were occasionally fought with swords, the much more commonly used weapons were guns. Pretty much every American man with enough money to afford one owned a pistol. Specifically, a, quote, large-caliber, smooth-bore, flintlock pistol, like the ones used by Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr in the duel that killed Hamilton. But people didn't die from duels in the United States as often as you might think. It wasn't uncommon for the pistols they used to misfire, and the guns weren't terribly accurate, as a friend of mine recently pointed out to me. Plus, they were supposed to hurry up and fire quickly, the way you see in the movies, because taking too long to fire your weapon was seen as dishonorable. So that element of being rushed would help decrease the chance of being shot fatally. A lot of prominent figures in American history fought in duels, while others refused. Abe Lincoln almost had to duel an Illinois state official, but... He was a smart guy, so he decided to apologize instead for ridiculing this guy in a newspaper article. And so they were able to reconcile and go about their business. Andrew Jackson, however, killed a guy in a very sketchy fashion during a duel. So his opponent, attorney Charles Dickinson, shot Jackson in the chest. And then Jackson's pistol misfired, which was still supposed to count as his shot. And so according to the code, that should have been the end of it, honor achieved. But Jackson fired another shot anyway and killed the guy. And people were not thrilled about the way that went down, but it didn't stop Jackson from later being elected president. Another interesting character in American dueling history was a guy named Alexander McClung. This guy was level expert. Uh, he, he killed a lot of guys, and he fired a fatal blow to one man over 100 feet away with a smoothbore pistol. And I found myself on a gun forum trying to understand this a little better, and I was really in over my head. So I'm just going to assume that's impressive and move on. But like I said, he did kill a lot of guys, and it said that he was later haunted by the men that he killed and ended up committing suicide in 1855. 
And like I said, other famous figures such as George Washington and Benjamin Franklin were not into dueling. Religious groups also tried desperately to get it banned in all the various states, just like the Catholic Church tried in Europe, but it still persisted for a long time. And according to that PBS article, dueling definitely went out of style in the North before the South. Particularly in the South, if you didn't rise to the challenge of a duel, you got called out publicly in a big way. They would literally put up signs around town calling you a coward, or they might print an article about how lame you are in the newspaper. Now back to Kentucky. I came across this wonderful journal article from the Register of Kentucky State Historical Society from September of 1910. According to this article called Dueling and Some Noted Duels in Kentucky by Z.F. Smith, duels weren't really a thing in Kentucky until the early 1800s. Smith wrote that up to that point, the state of things in Kentucky were just far too unruly to engage in such, quote, forms of etiquette. Because duels were, you know, a form of etiquette, as strange as it sounds. But as the population in Kentucky grew, things changed. And it it really was an upper-class thing, so I'll read you a direct quote here. Quote, The phenomenal fact in history appears that nearly all the combats in Kentucky under Code Duello were participated in by those who were sons or associates of the old gentry class only gentlemen were privileged to kill each other. One of the most famous Kentucky duels was that of Henry Clay and Humphrey Marshall. And Henry Clay will get his own episode at some point, uh, but today we're only talking about him as it relates to his duels. So these gentlemen were both members of the House of Representatives, and Clay had just proposed a new resolution, and he... He really wanted people to be encouraged to only buy and wear clothing manufactured domestically in an attempt to stimulate the economy and show the world that they didn't have to depend on England for such things anymore. Humphrey Marshall didn't like this idea. He was known to have been pretty loyal to the British. So he stood up and let everyone know. He insulted Clay, calling him a liar, And this outburst was enough to make Clay feel like he needed to challenge Humphrey to a duel. So he did, and instead of an apology, which would have been an option under the code, Humphrey accepted. They dueled in Indiana, across the river from Louisville, in 1809, and their weapons of choice were pistols. They missed each other completely in the first two rounds, and Clay was grazed in the thigh on the third round. There is a newspaper article from the Daily Alta California from 1890. I'll read a little excerpt from that. Quote, the seconds in their official account of the affair state that they deem it justice to both gentlemen to pronounce their conduct on the occasion cool, determined, and brave in the highest degree. So I I feel like this duel was actually a little bit anticlimactic, but I guess honor was achieved. Um, And sources even said they were able to reconcile a little bit. 
and even sort of became friends, even though they still had their differences from time to time. Another duel Clay participated in was with John Randolph. This one was in 1826, and Senator Randolph of Virginia had, like Humphrey, insulted Henry Clay on the Senate floor. From what I've gathered, it sounds like Clay just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, which we'll get into when he gets his own episode. Um, But this Randolph guy, he even updated his will before his duel with Clay. Now, there were rules in place that kind of made it so that senators could, or were supposed to be able to, speak freely on the Senate floor without any sort of repercussion. Um, It was understood that, you know, someone could disagree with you and you wouldn't challenge them to a duel. For whatever reason, Clay thought Randolph had, quote, waived his senatorial privileges, and so he went ahead and challenged him. And this duel gets weird. So they were in D.C. when Henry Clay challenged Senator Randolph to this duel. And there was some really wild logic happening here. Randolph accepted, but he told the people closest to him that he wasn't going to fire back. Like, he wasn't going to participate. And he told them that he wasn't going to do this because he didn't feel like the duel should be fought at all. And he wore this, like, flowy gown garment, which made it more difficult to see the actual outline of his body. He also insisted that they do it across the Potomac in his home state of Virginia, because if he, if he died, he wanted to die on his home soil. And remember, he'd also changed his will. So this guy was, like, totally prepared to die for honor, I guess. I don't... It was illegal to duel in Virginia, but Randolph said it was fine because he wasn't going to fire back, so it really wouldn't count as a duel anyway. So some people knew this. Clay didn't know this was his plan yet. They met at sundown, and they were joined by their two seconds and a surgeon for each participant in case things got messy. Randolph's gun accidentally went off before the duel even started. So for the first round... Clay's bullet just narrowly missed Randolph, and Randolph kind of just fired wildly off into the air, kind of off to the side. Um, and it's, I guess, understood that Clay's first shot rattled Randolph because in the second round, he fired straight up into the air, which was just a clear indication he had no intention of shooting at Clay. And apparently Clay recognized this gesture, and he said, quote, I trust in God, my dear sir. You are untouched. After what has occurred, I would not have harmed you for a thousand words. To which Randolph replied, quote, You owe me a coat, Mr. Clay. I guess that first bullet must have grazed that billowy coat he had on. And apparently things between them after that duel were just fine and dandy, so... The psychology of dueling, it is. It is very weird. Senator Clay almost fought a third duel, again over an argument on the Senate floor. He was pretty old at that point. It was in 1841. And he was there duking it out with the Alabama Senator William King. 
And after they got into it, Senator King drafted a written challenge to a duel and delivered it to Clay. And just as they were choosing who their seconds would be, the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms arrested them both. They had to post $5,000 bonds and promise they wouldn't duel each other. Clay formally apologized to King a few days later, and King apologized in return. The pair shook hands, and the Senate applauded. Really good stuff. I'm sure taxpayers were thrilled. Another well-known Kentucky duel was that of Cassius Marcellus Clay and Robert Wycliffe Jr., also in 1841. Cassius Clay was Henry Clay's cousin. He served three terms in the Kentucky House of Representatives and was very vocal about abolishing slavery. He'll get his own episode as well, so I don't want to get too deep into his background. Robert Wycliffe Jr. was the son of Robert Wycliffe Sr., one of the richest planters in Kentucky. Wycliffe Jr. and Henry Clay, or sorry, Cassius Clay, had been classmates at Transylvania and were kind of buddies until they weren't. They went on to campaign for the same seats and really became political rivals. They also butted heads on the issue of slavery, and in one heated debate, Wycliffe said something about Clay's wife, and that is when Cassius Clay challenged him to a duel. Clay had also said some not-so-nice things about Wycliffe Sr., and so Wycliffe Jr. readily accepted the challenge after hearing him talk shit about his dad. So they dueled at Locust Grove, which you should definitely visit in Louisville if you haven't already. It's very pretty and rich in history. And their duel only lasted one round, although one source I had said three. But either way, they both missed and then decided to call it a day. And their friends actually stopped them and told them that they were super courageous and honorable and that they didn't need to keep going. Politicians weren't the only ones dueling in Kentucky, though. Two doctors working in the medical department at Transylvania University got into a duel in 1818. Dr. Benji W. Dudley and Dr. William H. Richardson. And this one is actually the most interesting to me. Okay, so this duel between doctors. It starts with a man who was killed in a fight in Lexington. Not a duel, just a regular old fight. And this man's body was brought in to be examined. So Dr. Dudley and another doctor named Dr. Drake both examined the body. And somehow they came to some different conclusions and it turned into this big argument and it ended with Dr. Dudley challenging Dr. Drake to a duel. But Dr. Drake declined to fight him. And so Drake's good friend, Dr. Richardson, stepped up on his behalf and said, well, I'll duel you, which is just crazy to me. So they did, they went on with the duel and Dr. Richardson took a bullet to the groin and a surgeon that was present at the duel determined it to be his inguinal artery and that he was going to bleed to death if they didn't stop it right now and get him help. So there was some panic, as you can imagine, and it ended up being Dr. Dudley, the man who'd shot him, who offered to help. So he was able to stop the flow of blood and save this man's life, and eventually Richardson made a full recovery. 
So that one's kind of a unique story. And this duel, like many others, happened on the Fayette-Scott County line. And they did this for jurisdiction reasons. So if law enforcement showed up, they could kind of just hop to one side or the other and say, you know, you can't, you can't do anything about this. Um, there used to be a big tree, which from my understanding has fallen down. It fell down in a windstorm, but the stump is still there. And so that's kind of known as the dueling tree. And, you know, there are a lot of other great dueling stories in Kentucky history. This could be a really long episode. Some were almost fought with rifles instead of pistols. Uh, Some were done in a distance of only eight paces in each direction instead of ten, which would usually result in more serious injuries or death. There's another one. uh, This one happened in Louisville. It was at the Galt House. The duel wasn't at the Galt House. The the lead-up was. So these two guys were actually friends. It was Henry Pope and John Gray. They were buddies. They were having a card game. This is in 1849. And they got a little too drunk. And they got into an argument over this card game. And it turned into John Gray smacking Pope in the head with his cane. And it just escalated from there. And it led to a duel. And so they went across the river to Indiana, and Henry Pope ended up getting killed. Kind of sad. That one's sad. I mean, they were, they were friends. I can imagine that probably happened more than once. But according to the article I mentioned before by Z.F. Smith from the early 1900s, no one who injured or killed another man in a duel was ever prosecuted in a criminal court in Kentucky. And it was... I mean, it was basically assumed that the person could always claim self-defense. I mean, they were being shot at in return, and that would be the end of it. So the listener's suggestion I got was to do an episode on why public officials in Kentucky have to swear under oath that they've not participated in a duel. And it's pretty clear after doing the research that they had to put that verbiage in there because these boneheads just couldn't resist. So dueling was made illegal in 1799 with a $500 fine and prohibition from serving in public office for seven years, which obviously wasn't enforced. But the actual oath wouldn't come until 1850. And then they first tried to get rid of the oath in 1890 when duels were already going out of style, but with no success. So here's the excerpt from the oath they have to take. Quote, I do further solemnly swear or affirm that since the adoption of the present Constitution, I, being a citizen of this state, have not fought a duel with deadly weapons within this state or out of it, nor have I sent or accepted a challenge to fight a duel with deadly weapons, nor have I acted as second in carrying a challenge, nor aided or assisted any person thus offending. So help me God. This verbiage actually makes up more than half of the oath they have to take, which, yeah, I think that part's maybe a little crazy, but like I said, I think it's charming and I think it's historic. It's a part of our history that reminds us, like, yeah, these duels were kind of stupid, and yes, they're antiquated, but also, these guys were out there on the Senate floor, you know, arguing passionately for what they believed in, and a really exciting time in our political history they cared a lot, so much so that it it would end up in a duel. And yeah, I mean, some of it was ego, but still, 
I think in a roundabout way, keeping those words in there kind of honors those men and how much they cared. And if you think of it that way, keeping those words as part of the oath doesn't seem all that silly. So that's my overview of the history of dueling in Kentucky. And I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed researching. This was a fun one. Actually, one of my favorites so far. And thank you again to listener Sharon for the suggestion. If you want to write in and suggest a topic for the show, you can DM me on Instagram or Twitter at KYHistoryHaunts or send an email to KYHistoryHaunts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and until next time.